Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Wow, it's, um, it's good here, isn't it? <laughs> wow, he's like come in and it's like God is in the room and doing amazing things and it's awesome. And so, you know, don't take it for granted, guys, yeah? Because God's doing something pretty cool here and we, we, wanna, we want more of it. So, um, so encouraging what you guys are on with and I say this every time and it's boring but I'm saying it again. It's such a massive honor and privilege to come and speak to you guys because you guys are doing it and you're right out there. And the stories that come out of this place are so exciting. And you do not have a clue about how many people are watching what is going on in here. And just being like, wow, this is a place that's set in the trend. You are pace setters. And people are looking on and thinking, that is incredible. And it's encouraging. So you ought to be feeling like I am in the center of something amazing. Um, I was speaking in Wolverhampton and I finished talking and three ladies came to speak to me. And I thought they were coming to sort of say, hey, you know, um, that was a good word or whatever, whatever. Can I ask you what scripture that was? The lady at the front, she goes, are you, um, are you Mark Ritchie that was at Mattersea Hall Bible College from 1987 to 1990? And I went, yeah. She went, look at you. You are so fat. <laughs> it's like, you're like someone tells you you're so fat. It's kind of weird what you've got to do with your face. Because you're like, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And the other two ladies, the other two ladies were just kind of like, they were like really upset this woman called me fat and they were kind of a bit agitated and she turned to them and she says no no you don't understand I was at Bible college with Mark and when Mark was at Bible college he was so handsome and look at him now and she's like he's let himself go and I'm just kind of like oh yeah lovely to be here and um so I asked the lady her name. She told me her name was Jean. I remember Jean, and Jean wasn't very diplomatic at Bible college, and uh, she's not really changed a lot. Yeah, she's still not very diplomatic. So I was like, I had a little chuckle with her, and I chatted with these other ladies. It was cool. And that should have been the end of the story, but I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that this lady just came up and said that I was fat and ugly. I thought that was pretty funny. So basically, when the minister was coming past, I said to the minister, do you know Jean? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I goes, well, I told her what had happened. I told the minister what she'd said. And the minister, you know, have you ever had that situation where a conversation's kind of slipping away from you? Because he immediately went like rigid and he went, oh, she has dishonored you. And I'm like, no, 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 it was funny. I found it funny. And he goes, no, we do not dishonor the man of God. I'm like, no, 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 no. It was just a little laugh. I thought it was funny. It's nothing to worry about. Anyway, he kind of like walks along. I'm speaking to someone else and I'm watching him because I'm thinking, I did not like how that ended. Yeah, I do not like how that ended. Anyway, went right up to the back and I saw him chatting to a young guy. And I thought, well, I don't know what that's about. So I was talking to this person. Anyway, I finished with that. And the young guy that the pastor had been speaking to comes down the side, round the front, and comes up to me and goes, hey, Mark, um, have you been uh, working out at the gym? 
And I was like, oh, I said, it's your pastor. I asked you to come and say that. And he's like, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I would rather someone come up and call me ugly and fat than have to. So they compliment the pastor. I am here as the complimenter. I do not believe. I was like, oh, man. I goes, no. I have not worked out at the gym, and I think you're well aware of that. And uh, it's like, it was humiliating, but it's all good. So I feel like I've got a word burning inside me, and I want to um, get it out and communicate it to you. So um, my wife, uh, we, it was our wedding anniversary, and I wanted to take her um, somewhere good. And so we went um, to this restaurant, and when we were in this kind of quite a posh restaurant, um, I mean, I'm Scottish, so like I'm, I'm, I'm nervous all the time about money, and I'm thinking, this is costing a lot of money, and we're eating this, and she's like, um, this is amazing, Mark, and I'm, I'm really fighting within me not to go, you can have everything on that column, yeah, but not any of that, yeah, I'm really working hard not to say that, and I'm like, yeah, this is lovely, and then we order the food, and the food comes, and she's eating the food, and then suddenly... She starts, whoa, she grabs a napkin, and she starts to spit what's in her mouth right into this napkin. And I'm like sitting back thinking, wow, that's the woman I married. Yeah, what a beautiful, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. Just spitting her food into the napkin. And I was, the question was like, what is in your mouth? What is in your mouth? And she shows me, and what it was, was there was a piece of crockery had been in the meat. And she had kind of like put it in her mouth and she was like spitting it out. And it was like, ah, that is horrible. She was going, this is disgusting. I was like, this means money off the meal, yeah? And so I was like, wow, isn't the Lord good? And um, basically... The waiter came round and we sorted that out and it was all very good. And it's like that question, what is in your mouth? And I want to just look for, for a few minutes at like at, at three things through Nehemiah. I, I, I'm sorry, the story of Caleb. I want to look at three things. I want to say, what is in your mouth? What is in your eye? And what is in your heart? And uh, I want to do this by looking uh, in the Bible at numbers. If you've got your Bible, grab it, right? Um, we're going to look at a few verses in numbers. Now, I've had to, I'm getting, I'm getting old, right? And I've had to start to wear glasses. See, when you get old, you have this thing where like hair starts to grow where you don't want it. In your nose, in your ears, behind your neck on your wife's chin. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, everywhere you still want it. So, um, great. Numbers chapter 13, and let's just look at it here. In amazing verses, Numbers 13 and verse 13. This is what the Bible says. Um, let's look at from verse 26. They were sent out to look at the land. Most of you know this Bible story. Twelve men were sent to go and look. Moses is waiting for them to come back. And they come back. And here is what happens in Numbers 13 verse 26. It says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, 
and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes And we looked the same to them. You see, the question, what is in your mouth? Caleb, what is in your mouth? I'll tell you what was in Caleb's mouth. What was in his mouth was faith. Caleb had faith in his mouth. You see, it's so interesting that the other guys come back and they're like chatting about the giants and they're chatting about all the kind of big stuff that they can see. And here we've got the man of God says, we can most certainly do this. We can do it. We can take the land. And as I travel around in different churches and in different places, I meet lots of Christians that have got like cynicism in their mouth. They've got negativity in their mouth. They're always wanting to undermine. They're always wanting just to have that kind of like negative slant. And it's like today we've got a question. What is in our mouth? I want to be someone who has got faith in their mouth. I want to be someone who is speaking words of faith. Speaking positive words. I want people that when they've spent a couple of minutes spent with Mark Ritchie, they go away feeling bigger about themselves. They go away with a bit of a bounce in their step. There's a lot of Christians out there, you spend two minutes with them and you want to chuck yourself out of a window. I mean, it's like you just spend a few minutes and they just drain you completely. Am I on my own here? I see them, they're coming for me. I preach and I can see them coming and I think, oh... I mean, one guy came up to me and he's all negative and he's got five reasons why he thinks my word was not good and he didn't like the music and, and he's like, he started off by going, you know, I'm a born again Christian and I honestly wanted to go, do you have to be? Yeah? Do you have to be? There other faiths are available, yeah? You're not allowed to think like that, are you? Um, but it's like, you know, they, so many people are like, so much negativity. It was like, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I call them the BMW club. Not because of the cars that they drive, but because they're, the, they're blamers, moaners, and whingers. You always want to blame someone else. They're always moaning. You're like Christians, always moaning. 
It's like, oh, that was a really great revival meeting and people got healed, but one of the windows was left a bit open, yeah? And we, we got a bit of a chill. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, wow. Like the wind just whining, always like, oh, it's like tiresome. And here we've got this incredible man of God, Caleb, who's got a positive word in his mouth. He's got faith in his mouth. I want to tell you guys, that if my preaching is rubbish today and I go home and nothing good happens, something really good has already happened because I was feeling a little bit bumped and bruised today and I came in and in the few minutes that I've been with you guys, I'm feeling built up and I'm feeling like, wow, that I can take on the rest of this week because I've hung out with you guys for a few minutes with the presence of God and people that are like, you know what? We're about something here. We want to do something. We want to take some land. You know, Caleb's like, we can do this. We can take this land for we can certainly do it. He's like, let's go on a faith adventure. I love this. Caleb's like, let's go on a faith adventure. Let's do this. Let's see what happens. Let's step out and see what happens. Wow, I really, I really like this, these words. During World War II, the U.S. government discovered its parachutes failed to open 50% of the time. Now imagine that, 50% of the time. This was not good enough. It needed to be a zero failure rate. That's kind of like a little, you know, this was not good enough. 50% is not good enough. Yeah, wow, what a great committee that was. It decided that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think 50% is good enough. No, I don't either. You're right. It's like, wow. So what did they do? The problem, I love this. The problem was solved by requiring parachute packers to put on one of their products occasionally and jump out of the plane. That's good, isn't it? Suddenly, it's like, oh, wow. Suddenly, you're putting the parachute on. Guess what? You're making sure the parachute's right, yeah? You're like thinking, oh, I've got a new perspective on this job. When it was somebody else that was jumping out of a plane, hey, let's hope it was good, yeah? When it's me jumping out of the plane, it's going to be good. I'm going to make sure it's good. And what? We understand from this is that parachute packers soon saw the difference between a made-up parachute on the factory floor and one that was on their backs as they headed towards the ground. Our faith, so many Christians have got a faith that they turn up on a Sunday. And you know what? If it's true, hey, great, let's have a good Sunday dinner. If it's not true, hey, great. Let's have a good Sunday dinner. But I want to be part of an elite group, a group like you guys, a group where we're saying, do you know what? We're going to throw ourselves out there and we're going to prove that this faith really does work. Do you get what I'm saying? We're going to put ourselves in situations where like, God, if you don't turn up now, we are totally screwed. Yeah, I want to live in that place where I love the stories of Peter when he's walking on the waves and it's like if Jesus doesn't exist, I'm in quite a lot of trouble. And it's like, 
that faith, the difference between having a faith that just sits on the factory floor, listening to a nice sermon, singing a few songs, and just going through the routine, different to a faith that says you're praying for someone sick on the street. You're praying for someone with cancer in a hospital, and you're saying, God, you need to turn up now. God, this is your time. You need to do something incredible, because if you don't turn up, I'm in a lot of trouble. I want to live with stories to tell. Does anybody agree with this? I want to live with stories to tell. You're in the middle of an amazing story, guys. You know, like, I love the fact that Peter, you know, his grandkids would come running in and sit on his knee and say, Granddad, Granddad Peter, tell us about that time when you walked on the waves. Wow. They'd be like, granddad, let's go to the swimming pool. Do it again. It's like, wow. Do you know like Andrew who stayed in the boat with his grandchild runs up and jumps on his knee and says, granddad, tell us about that time where you stayed in the boat. Yeah. Tell us about that time when you were a complete coward. Yeah. Tell us about that time when you took the comfortable route instead of going out onto the waves. Guys, what we're about is, we're about story. We're about in the middle of an exciting faith story. When we hear about what you guys have got planned for this year, it is exciting. And it's going to be something you will tell your friends. It's going to be something that you're going to be excited about. We're like starting to confess, wow, we went for this, but God did this. And it was unbelievable. We thought we'd maybe see 30 responses. We saw 500 responses like we thought the school might be influenced by the gospel the school was radically changed by the gospel it's like wow living with stories to tell moments where if God doesn't turn up we're doomed I want to keep on throwing myself and living in that so like recently this thing that God's been doing with me is that God's been stirring me up that I will begin to prophesy over people who are not yet Christians so this is what God's been doing with me. So I've been like, God, no. Because it's easy when you prophesy over Christians. Christians help you out, don't they? Christians are lovely like that. Yeah? You say, oh, I just feel that you're going through a tough time. They're like, yeah, I am. I actually am. Yeah. Are you really doing well? Yeah, I am. Yeah. But when you prophesy over people that are not yet Christians, they just stare at you, yeah? Just look at you mm, with that look on the face. Mm, mm, what are you? Yeah? What actually are you? So I was speaking, I was speaking at this event. I, the, the booking came in, and, and when I got the booking, it was this men's conference, and I didn't want to do it because um, I thought it was like quite a small men's conference, and I thought, I'm not really sure how I, I want to do it. And God spoke to me and says, you need to do this. You need to do it. I says, God, there's only going to be 30 people there. And God's like, you do it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I agreed to do it, but I didn't realize it was FA Cup final day. And it was, I was speaking during the FA Cup final. And I love football and I didn't enjoy preaching while the football's on in the other room. And I was like, oh, there's 30 guys. Not only that, while I was preaching, there were three young guys on the front row who were not listening to anything I was saying. They were on their phones. They were like chatting amongst themselves. 
They were doing my head in. I was preaching about the love of God and I wanted to knock the guy in the middle, yeah? I said, oh, the guy in the middle was particularly annoying me, talking to everyone, flicking, messing around. I was like, doing everything, everything that I've been taught at Bible college, if you've lost someone's attention, go big, go big, yeah? Or go, or go small, yeah, go small. Focusing just on them, yeah? I, all the Bible college tricks, none of them were working, yeah? I was like right in this guy's face, and he's still texting. I said, God. So ah, I just want to get this finished and go home. And as I'm coming to the end of my sermon, God speaks to me. And God says, the guy in the middle, at the end of this, I want you to go over to him. And I want you to prophesy to him. I'm like, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't even think this guy's a Christian. The guy's not even a Christian. He's not interested. He's not shown one bit of interest in anything I've said. You do it, God. I'm not doing it. And God's like, mm, you do it. Like, you know, those really child, I mean, he's, he did create the world. And you're having the most immature argument with him. No, you do it, yeah? And God's like, no, you do it. And then, you know, oh, I'm doing it. So at the end, I went over to him. And I was like, oh, hi, mate, can I, yeah, uh, have you got a minute? Um, I just would like to say a few things. I just feel God's told me to say something to you. He went, oh, let me stop you right there. He goes, I'm not a Christian. I'm not interested in God. I don't believe in God. He goes, so no thanks. Now, I wish I could say to you guys that I looked up to heaven and the glory of God came down and there were angels all around me. And I says, you want to listen to these guys because they are awesome. And he looked and saw the angels and said, speak servant Mark, for I am listening, yeah? I wish that's what happened. But what happened was this. He says, I'm not interested, I'm not a Christian, I don't want, I don't want to listen. I says to him, listen, I promise you this is what I said. I says, listen, in five minutes, in five minutes, I'm going to be getting in my car and I'm going to be driving away, and you're never going to see me again. I says, so hey, guess what? Why don't you just let me say what I think I need to say? You just listen to it, and then we'll both go our separate ways, and we'll never mention it again, yeah? That's what I actually said to him, yeah? So he looks at me, and he goes, oh, go on, and go on, do it, do it. Well, I prophesied over that guy. I'm telling you, it was the greatest prophecy I have ever... I shot my... I mean, I was dabbing my forehead. I was... I was prophesying. I pro... 95% of it was God. 5% of it was the God channel. I mean, I was prophesying over him. It was like the best prophecy. And as I'm coming towards the end of this prophecy, I mean, it was, it was incredible. It had to go to all. I am just giving it all. I'm thinking, I'm going to open my eyes. This guy, honestly, if he is not sobbing, if he is not lying on the floor, blown away by God, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I opened my eyes as I came towards the end. I finished, and I looked at him, and he went, are you happy now? That's what he said. <laughs> are you happy now? You don't see that in the Bible. You don't see Jesus impacting people and them going, well, you're happy now, yeah? You got that out of your system, yeah? It's like, what is that? Are you happy now? It's like, oh. 
I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm happy now. Thanks. I got in my car. I got in my car. I drove away. That was it. That was it. And that was going to be the end of it. I had gone to this daft men's conference in Derbyshire, and I thought that was the end of it. About four or, four or five uh, months later, I was in my church in Nottingham, and I'm there with my wife, and it's all cool. And then there's a guy coming over like towards me. Now, I'm not brilliant at remembering people's faces, right? I'm not brilliant. I, like, get, like a lot of you guys, I'm speaking in front of quite a lot of people. This, I was like, audacious at the summer, and... Uh, the nightmare that some of you guys know what I'm chatting about. I'm walking, this girl's about 16. She went, hey, Mark. I went, hey. You know that when you're doing that, hey. <laughs> Nothing, yeah, no idea. Hey. She went, oh. She went, you don't, you don't remember, do you? I was like, oh, thinking, it's definitely not my wife, right? It's definitely not my kids, yeah? I think it might be my mum, but I don't think it's my mum. I'm looking at her and thinking, ah! You know, you're making all those noises that mean absolutely nothing. Ah! Oh! <laughs> I'm looking at her. I'm like, ah! Oh. She went, ah! Oh. She goes, you don't even remember me. I'm like, crying. She goes, Dartford? I was like, oh, yeah, I was in Dartford six weeks ago. She went, yeah. I went, oh, did we talk at the end? She went, no, I was in the 10th row. I was in the 10th row. I have never actually had a conversation with her. And she's got an issue with me because I can't remember who she is. I was like, I am sorry. I'll try to remember your birthdays from now on. I mean, give me a break. That is outrageous. Wow! I'm in Nottingham, and there with my wife. Suddenly, this guy's coming towards me, and I'm looking, and I recognize his face. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I recognize that face, but I don't know who he is. And he comes right over to me. He went, Marvichi. I went, hey. He went, right, you, you did that thing. He goes, you did that magic dust thing. I went, what? He went, that men's conference. I was like, oh, because you were the guy in the middle. He went, yeah, he goes, you came at the end, and he did that magic dust. I says, well, it's called prophecy. I says, he goes, you did that thing. He says, guess what? He goes, I went away from that. He goes, and every single thing that you said started to happen. They all began to happen. He says, I was telling my friends and my family and my girlfriend, this is totally weird because this Scottish guy did this magic dust thing, and everything's beginning to happen. Everything he said he goes, so I got freaked out, so I googled you, and I found out you come to this church in Nottingham. And so I, he says, I, I drove and I came to the church in Nottingham. He says, but the thing is, he says, you weren't here, you were speaking somewhere else. He goes, and guess what? He goes, the guy at the front was speaking about doubting Thomas. And he goes, and my name is Bill. And... Uh, <laughs> It's an obvious gag. And my name is Thomas. And it's like, he goes, my name's Thomas. He's talking about me from the front. He says, I ran to the front. He says, I've become a Christian. My girlfriend's become a Christian. We're coming here every single week. He goes, this is amazing. It's like, wow. It's like, oh, God. It's like, wow. It's like unbelievable that this moment could happen. That he's like throwing yourself out. And it's like, Suddenly God comes when we throw ourselves 
into nothing, we find God. It's like, wow, Caleb's like, faith in his mouth. Caleb's like, come on, we can do this. We can most certainly do it. And it's like, you guys are going to be on this incredible adventure this year. And you need to ask yourself, what's in my mouth? You need to begin to encourage each other in the Lord. You need to speak with words of faith over each other. You need to speak and say, when you get a few bumps and bruises and things are not going exactly the way you hoped they would go and you get a bit of trial and tribulation, you need to be speaking what's in your mouth. Faith is in my mouth. I'm going to speak it out. We can most certainly do it. Wow. What have you got in your eye? Caleb, what have you got? In your eye. I love this because Caleb, we need to understand. You see, when that little simple song that we used to sing at Sunday school, it used to say, 12 men went to spy in Canaan, 10 were bad, 2 were good. And it's a little bit of a simplistic song because it makes out that the 10 didn't see anything good. But if you read the Bible, they did see the good, but it's just that they saw the giants as bigger. And it makes out that the two, Caleb and Joshua, never saw any of the giants. But the Bible shows that they did see that there were giants. It clearly shows that Caleb saw that there were giants. But he makes a choice. Who are you choosing to magnify? Are you choosing to magnify the giant? Or are you choosing to magnify the Lord? Who are you choosing to magnify? Are you choosing to make the giant bigger? Or are you choosing to decide, I am going to magnify the Lord. A magnified giant or a magnified God. You see, I'm, I'm a, I like to journal everything. I do that. I've got all my journals since I was 18. And the problem about journaling, it's really good. But you go over and over your issues and you make your issues bigger and bigger and bigger until your issue is this massive giant. And God's been speaking to me recently and saying, come on, Mark, you know, it's not about making the giant massive. It's not about glorifying and magnifying your issue and your struggle, but it's stepping back and saying, oh, I want to have moments in 2016 where I don't magnify my struggle and my issue, but there are moments in my life where, wow, I magnify the Lord. I have moments where I say, God, you are glorious. You are awesome. This year, I want to be able to say the glory of of the Lord has caught my eye. The glory of the Lord has caught my eye. Today as we were singing, as we were in that moment, many of us are having a moment where we're like, do you know what? It's not about making my issue huge here, but it's about glorifying and magnifying God. That he is all glorious and holy and powerful and awesome. I was driving in my car and I'm like going and wittering on about the struggle that I've got and going on about this issue and looking at it from this angle and looking at it from that angle. And God says, pull over. And I pulled the car over. And as I'm sitting in the lay-by in my car, I begin to catch a glimpse of the glory of God. And I 
begin to sense the presence of God filling the car. And in that little vehicle, I'm shaking and I'm seeing a glint, a glimmer of his glory and his awe and his power. And guess what? Now I'm not thinking about my issue or my challenge or my struggle because my eye is consumed by the glory of the Lord. And I'm having a moment where God is everything. God is bigger than anything and everything. And I'm like, wow, God, you have caught my eye. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. And that we would have our eyes full of the glory of God. That we would have moments where God, you are doing incredible things. Here's a great little thing to think about. What if the problem is not your circumstances? What if the problem is your perspective? That's good to think about, isn't it? What if the problem is not actually your circumstance? It's actually your perspective. Like, amazing words to think about is this. If I had the power of God, I would change all my circumstances. If I had the wisdom of God, I wouldn't. If I had the power of God, I would make that difficult situation go away. I would make that tough time go away. If I had the wisdom of God, I wouldn't. Because I'd understand that it's pure gold to be found in the painful place. There's pure gold to be found in the painful place. That our eyes would be caught by the glory of the Lord. Wow, I've been getting the opportunity to do these comedy shows. I got the chance to do the Edinburgh Festival for the first time this summer. And I was terrified. We had this moment in the little back room on the first night. I did Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And it was packed full on Thursday night. And I was backstage. And I was so, I don't know when the last time when you were so nervous that you don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know whether to chat. You don't know whether to talk. You don't know whether to like walk around. You don't know whether. I was so nervous. And 10 minutes before I got in, my dad came in. And he goes, oh, Mark, you got everything you need. It's full. It's full out there. And he looked at me and he saw me. And he stopped and he went, what is wrong with you? I says, oh, dad, I am really nervous. I've never been this nervous before. I am so terrified. And he looked at me and he went, son, there's a whole room full of people out there that have paid tickets to hear you be funny. You better get yourself sorted. It's like, wow, thanks for that, dad. Yeah, those are great words. Let me put them in my journal, you loser. It's like, wow, who needs that 10 minutes before? It's like, you better get out there and be funny. Never mind being nervous. I'm so nervous. And we go out. And we have fun and we're laughing. And in the middle of this laughter, in the middle of all the fun and people loving the show, we have these moments where the awe of God fills the room. And people who are not yet Christian are crying in the room 
and saying, I don't know why I'm crying, but something's changed in the atmosphere. We're like, God, let your glory, let your glory come and change the room. I don't want the glory of God to be for me to have a little party with my Christian mates. I want the glory of God to devastate the unchurched. I want the glory of God to captivate a generation who doesn't know God yet. Where we're having moments where people are shaken and touched by the glory of God. And it's not lovely Christians at a lovely Christian meeting, but it's people in the bus stop and on the bus. And it's people that are like, wow, what have you done? You put your hand on me and your hand's hot and I'm filling up with something. What is going on? And it's like, that is God. That is God. Yesterday morning, we're like, there's loads of people that are not yet Christians. And wow, this woman comes to me at the end and she's like, I'm not a Christian. And you were talking and then the room filled up. And she was like, oh, and I love this. I'm not going to repeat it exactly because it wouldn't be right. But she says to me, because you're not a Christian. So she goes, she goes like, I'm in this room and like the, the room's filling up with this atmosphere. And she says, and I'm like, oh, God, you're bloody here, aren't you? And it's like, wow, I love that. I love that. She's not going, oh, blessed of the redeemed, yeah? She's going, oh, God, you're bloody here, aren't you? I'm like, yes. She never said bloody. She said another word. And it's like, the thing is, it's like, whoa, this is what we're after. We're after the glory of the Lord captivating a generation. It's like, what is in your eye? Caleb's eye is caught by the glory of the Lord. Here's, we're finishing Okay, what have you got in your heart? I'm going to just press on. I'm not going to unpack it too much now, but Joshua 14, verse 12, you'll know that Caleb was one of two that went through all the wilderness years and then gets to see his promise, his inheritance. And they come and they say to him, hey, Caleb, what? What do you want? And Caleb says, I want that mountain. And Caleb, that is my mountain. And they're like, you're an old man, Caleb. What are you chatting about? There's still enemies. What are you meaning? And Caleb's like, no, 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 that is my inheritance. And I'm believing for it. And I'm going to have that mountain. And if you know your Bible, you will know that Caleb had gets his mountain. I want to say these words to you. Miracles happen. When that which is inside of you is bigger than that which opposes you. Miracles happen when that which is inside of you is bigger than that which opposes you. Hey, surprise, surprise, guys, but the enemy doesn't want you to sit back and give you all the stuff that you want. But I want to say this to you. As I've come into this atmosphere today, I want to say that there's something going on. There's something going on inside of you. There's something massive, gigantic, enormous that's going on inside of you that I can feel that, like, God, what is inside of these people is bigger and greater than that which will oppose them. Wow. Oh, you guys are taking risks and there's financial risks and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And it's like, oh yeah, but look what is inside of these people. It's like God, Caleb was still this great, large-hearted man. And he's going, give me that mountain. I'm going to have that mountain. 
Nothing could have come against this man of God because there was something going on inside of him that was greater than anything that was going to oppose him. I want to be a man of God like that. I want to be amongst people, women and men of God that are like that, who are like saying, do you know what? What's inside of me is great. It's burning inside of me. Absolutely. It's Hebron is his inheritance. A faith inheritance. You can read it in the Bible. He passes on bits of the mountain to his daughter. An incredible inheritance. And what we are about in this room is not just about like kind of the people that we can see and even the people that we can impact. But as I was getting excited this morning praying, I was saying, God, what we are chatting about, what this whole tour that's coming up, everything that you guys are on with, there's not only going to be children impacted by this, but there's going to be grandchildren who you might never meet, but actually you are going to impact generation after generation turning families around turning housing estates around that are going to be like thank you for the sacrifice that you made because you didn't just do it for us you did it for our children and our grandchildren wow the inheritance spiritual inheritance that you are going to pass on wow so here I come towards the end and I say what's in your heart what is in your heart are like large-hearted men and women of God who've got more going on inside of them than anything that the enemy can chuck at them. It's like, wow, God, you've birthed something inside of me. Wow. And I believe that for some of us, even today, we just need to like think about what I've got in, what I've got in my mouth have I got faith in my mouth? What have I got in my eye? What have I got in my heart? God, is it big? Is it great inside of me? Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams.